Coach Dauber and his wife in Edina, Minnesota, have a low mortgage interest rate and a decent amount of home equity. Should they put that equity to work and take the risk on buying a much higher value home at a reduced price, even if it means a much higher interest rate and higher monthly payments, too? That's today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 448. Plus, Joe and Big Al spitball for Adam in the birthplace of aviation on the taxation of passive rental income and capital gains from his portfolio and the sale of his business prior to his early retirement. They also spitball for Charles in Idaho on taxes on the sale of his mother-in-law's house. And should Dan's wife and co-business owner retire from the business and take Social Security disability? And will Social Security be reduced for everyone? Steve in Vegas has a cautionary tale to tell. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Coach Dauber. Coach, all right. From okay. Edina, Minnesota. Okay. I know where Edina is. Look, used to be my rival in high school. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. All right. About that. Hello, Andy, Big Al, Joe. Thanks for taking a moment to consider our situation to get you in the mood. All right. I'm 47, former teacher and basketball coach who now dabbles in learning and development for a financial services company group similar to yours. Oh, okay. Well, learning and development. Right. From basketball to finance. There you go. Wife is 43, yo. Health care exec. Two girls. 11 and 10, a great cat named Sophie and a black and white cavapoo named Leo. Ah. Live in Edina, Minnesota, but only since moving here in 2019 from SD. Well, every time I see SD, I always think of San Diego. I know, me too, but I'm guessing South Dakota. South Dakota. Driving kids way too much in our 2018 floor Explorer. She drives a 2019 Acura RDX. And we share a new electric golf cart while cruising around Grandview Lodge whenever we can. 40th birthday, Big Al, Grandview Lodge. Is that right? Yeah, yes. so you know all about it. I do. And I know you want an electric golf cart, don't you? I do want an electric Oh, do you golf have one already? I do. Okay, there you go. I do. Right. Here's where I could use some help. Okay. Since moving here, our house has increased in value, and we find ourselves with a potential $800,000 in equity with a current arm of 2.75. Even though it's an arm, when the initial seven-year term is up, it'll only go 1% each year, cap at 7%. We also own a second home up north in Nisawa, Minnesota, which was purchased last year at 5%. Here's where it gets a little dicey. My wife is on a serious mission to buy a new house to put some of the equity we have to work and also take advantage of higher-priced homes that appear to be stressed by higher interest rates. We're seeking homes in the 2 to $3 million range. Okay. 2 to $3 million. That's a nice home in Edina, Minnesota. I can imagine. It's super nice. Wow. That's a big ball in there. <laughs> uh, so it's coming down a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, which does appear to offer an opportunity of a nice return. FYI, we don't anticipate retiring here. Am I right, Joe? You're I don't for- know. If I lived in a two or three million dollar house in Edina <laughs> and I have You might little- stay there. Just right? never leave the house. <laughs> Got a little golf cart up in Nisawa, yeah, Grand right. Lodge. Right. That sounds pretty good. Yep. The idea is to buy one more time and then sell when the girls graduate high school. So the girls are what, 11 and 10? So we got about eight years or so. Yeah, yeah. Seven, eight. At the same time, that opportunity comes with a considerable increase in monthly payment. We could get into a similar valued home and see our payment go up $4,000 per month, getting close to $10,000 a month. 
So when he says get into a similar valued home, like this, the one that we're talking about, this two to three million dollar home, well, they've got a home with potential eight hundred k equity. Yeah. So okay. well, well, the house at the moment is on the market. So their house is on the market for one point nine, or the house they're looking for. The house at the moment. Oh, the house oh, the, of the moment. Oh, so here's the thing: the expensive homes are now cheap. Yeah, cheaper. Yes. Cheaper. So that yeah. means he probably lives in an expensive house and his expensive houses or maybe cheaper. maybe it didn't go down as oh, much. Of course not. It did. Yeah. Only <laughs> <laughs> the expensive ones. Come yeah. On. Right, right. All right. So the house of the moment is on the market for 1.9 after being initially listed for 2.7 million. Oh, there you go. So he's seeing a or she's seeing a deal. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a huge it's deal. A, that's almost like, a million dollars. Right I know. There. It's, just... it's it's right for us. Okay. She's going, come on, coach. Let's do it. Hey, come on. Put, put me in, coach. <laughs> uh, even if we sell at that number, we figure 8% comes off the top of the realtor. So hold on. I missed something here. We are being told that we could get $1.7 million for ours. Okay. Okay. So they're going to sell at 1.7. They're going to do a lateral move. Yeah. Buy something at 1.9, but it's really worth 2.7. So they're thinking... The one they want to buy is actually worth a lot more. Just interest rates are higher, so it's temporarily come down is yeah. what she's thinking. So he's selling 1.7, 1. 1.9. 1. Yeah. Okay, it's a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. No biggie. Sure, sure. But the biggest thing is that, hey, you know, we got oh, a little higher interest rate. Much higher. So that monthly nut is going to kill us potentially. So now we're going to add $4,000 per month that we could be saving. Yes. Got it. All right. I get the quandary. So 900000 So, But here's what I'm confused on. Is that he's thinking, all right, we're going to get 8% comes off the top in realtor fees, which is about $136,000, plus $4,000 in moving expenses. Right. So okay. part, part of the equity is gone. Makes sense. So we're left with six sixty. But what about taxes here? Well, yeah. So because he can only, I, I don't know what they bought the house for, but if they lived there two out of the last five, they can write out five hundred. But if he's sure. selling the thing for one point seven. I don't yeah. know. Do you think he bought it for? Well, so if he's selling for one point seven, and let's just say a hundred thousand a cost, so one point six. So if he bought it for one point one, and or even less than that, but put in improvements, it could still so, be all right. But so we don't know that. Okay. So he's got six sixty to put down on the new place. Okay. All right. If we could buy that place at one point eight and sell it at two point seven someday, yeah, we'll surely make a gain. But is it worth it? I'm trying to be open to the opportunity, but it just doesn't feel right to sacrifice retirement savings to put into a new home that we will likely have to renovate, purchase a bunch of new furniture over time. Uh, we currently have about $950,000 in various retirement assets, but only she is maxing out her 401k. I'm contributing 10%. She makes 500000 and okay. then he makes hundred, $600,000. That's yeah, a lot of coin. Great income. All right, our retirement assets were five hundred thousand back in twenty nineteen for historical perspective. Of note, wife is currently up for promotion, and uh, I don't think we will buy the new place until she gets at least a fifty thousand dollar raise. She's hoping for a hundred grand. Regardless, she's on a good track. So, one way to look at this leap of real estate faith is that she will continue to command a high salary for many years to come. Okay, got it. Healthcare exec. Yeah. 500 grand. There you go. Right. Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. I keep looking at what we could do with that other $4,000 a month. 
not going to the mortgage, including we need to pay off about $80,000 in debt, two cars, golf cart, and a 401k loan used to help purchase the second home last year. Ooh, okay. Yeah, just splurging. <laughs> she admits she may be serial mover, home buyer. I'm t- typically up for the adventure in struggling with this one. Maybe a way to sum this up is by asking for a spitball in this real estate environment. Should people stick to lower interest rates or reap the benefits of lower payments and savings or take a risk on a property that has a reduced price? What circumstances might prompt someone into leaving a lower rate for a much higher rate? Thanks for the gift of spitballs. What you do is incredibly valuable for those of us who still listen. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, (laughs) there's maybe a couple. (laughs) Man, we're, they're dropping like flies. <laughs> Do we still have any listeners? I don't think so. <laughs> you see, yeah, we got Dobber. He's just waiting for us to go over his question. He's yeah, done. He's gone. He's, <laughs> yeah, podcast delete. I'm not going to listen to that one again. One star, delete. <laughs> Look forward to my May. That's the wine thing. What is it called? <laughs> sommelier. Yeah, sommelier. sommelier. Oh, that's like a wine sommelier. expert or something. That, yeah, yeah, it's a wine aficionado. Okay. Okay. She's sipping on some wine and laughing at my attempt to guess what it smells like while listening to your response. <laughs> Somalia. 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 It's not a person from Somalia. It's a Somalia. <laughs> okay. Well, that's an excellent question. All right. What do you think? Well, ironically, I was just <laughs> in the same position last year. I'm thinking this is your question. I know. Because this is your life. This is. <laughs> Almost identical. I know. Almost to the, identical. To the, to the T. So I bought a house a couple of years ago and appreciated in value. Another, I live in a, in a decent, decent neighborhood. Yes. And there's houses that rarely go up to sale here. Yeah. And one did. Sure. And so it was a lateral move. Same street. Same street. Yeah. Four houses down. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it's like, ooh, look at this. A little bigger. Yeah. A little bit bigger. Yeah. On a single level. Because you're getting get so older. You can't have stairs anywhere. <laughs> I can't walk upstairs. But it's all right. Because I was locked in on my loan at 2.5%. Yeah, okay. And sure. then it's like, okay, well, here, I, I have the same loan. Yeah. But at 6.5%, yeah. it's a lot larger nut you got to cover. It's a bit bigger. Yeah. So what do you think I did? And I think you did it. Yeah, I did. I know you did because I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with Coach Dauber here because, all right. Did I want to do it? Not necessarily. Financially, great move. Fine. Well, I don't know. Hard, fi- hard to say. Hard to say. Hard to say. Hard to say. Because yes, am I paying a couple extra thousand dollars a month to the mortgage? I am. Yeah. Do I have that much nicer house? It's nicer, but it's yeah. not. So did you get a discount because the interest rates? Maybe. Maybe. I don't think <laughs> maybe. so. But yeah, you got to put it. You. Oh, we had to repaint it. Oh, we got yeah. floors. You got to put new furniture. You oh, got to sure. in this stuff. Yeah. It stresses me out more than make gives me joy. Sure, I guess. <laughs> right. Right? Yep. Because I would rather have the $2,000 a month going into my brokerage account versus yeah, right. to the mortgage payment. Sure. It's 6.5%. Right. And it, like, it makes me uncomfortable with all that over my head. So right. then I'm like, well, maybe I want to just pay the thing off. Yeah. And it, so, but my wife absolutely loves it. Sure. So there you go. That's, the, that's probably the answer. And we have a lot larger backyard. Uh, you know, now with the family and blah, 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 blah. So there's pros and cons to this decision. Yes, right. So one thing that I don't like about Dauber's situation is that they just bought a house up north. 
Right. And then they had to take a 401k loan to get out. So it's already kind of tight. It's tight, right? <laughs> and then they got yeah. the golf cart, and then they have the cars and everything else. And then it's like, all right, we're going to take this equity from their new or from their existing house, and that's going to be their down payment. Yeah. Well, how about if they don't get what they want for their current house? How about if their current house, because it's what it's a nice house too, it's $1.72 million, whatever it is. Of course. Yeah. Right. I mean, that could sit on the market for a while. Sure. Sure. Or it could go with, right away with, with these interest rates, right? Oh, there's oh, there's no guarantee, right? So it's, I think they have the income to support it. I think what my question would be is, how big of a house or how much dollars should you be spending on a house given your income? So they want to buy a two million dollar house. They have six hundred thousand dollars of income. That seems. Reasonable? Yeah. I mean, I think the way banks, I'm not a banker, but somewhere around what, 30% of your income is what they're comfortable loaning you? Something like that in terms of a mortgage payment? So I could be way off, but I mean, that it's in the vicinity, right? 25 to 35, whatever. But at any rate, so I agree with you now. Now, financially, so I'm just going to spitball me unless you have more to say. No, I'm done. Okay. So I, I just bare yeah. my soul here. I know you did. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, and I'm not in the situation and I'm, I'm kind of enjoying that. I'm not. Yeah. In <laughs> so first of all, financially, uh, it's a little tough. It's a little tough because it's almost like a similar priced home lateral move and a much higher interest rate. The, the only thing that could make it better financially is if this truly is a depressed home compared to yours kind of held its value more. So you could see that later on when, when interest rates go down at some point, hopefully. Like, so that's the thing. It may go down next year, maybe a decade or more. We just don't know when interest rates might go back down again. But you can list your house for anything. I could list my house for $18 million. Sure. And then you sell it for a million. <laughs> that's you know, Right? And then, well, well so, here so, it was listed at 18. So if you're going to do it, you, you put an offer, this contingent of you selling, right? So, so you have to do it that way. Otherwise, you really get stuck. But so, so that financial part, I probably wouldn't do it for that reason. But the reason you just mentioned, especially because in this case, Coach Stauber's wife is the one that's making all the money and you kind of want to keep her happy. I mean, you want to keep your wife happy and it's whether it's wife, husband, doesn't matter, sex. It's, you want to keep your spouse happy, right? And so Coach Dauber's trying to do that. I would probably be tempted to do this just because of the intangibles, but financially I'd be having a little bit of a problem with it. If it's a lot nicer house and you really love the house and you want to yeah. stay there for a long time because they have the cash flow to maintain for a while. Yeah, yeah. If they had less income and they wanted to flip it in a couple of years, I would say absolutely not. But right. they at least want to stay there, sounds like for 10 years and yeah. then probably sell. Yeah. But if my wife were a serial mover home buyer, I guarantee it's it's, it's two years from now. I know that's what I think. Same same thing. We we just bought we we okay. So okay, so we're gonna buy that vacation home. All right, this is the last time, right? We're gonna borrow from the four okay last time, and then six months later, okay, yeah. now we're moving. Right. Yeah. Hey, well, well, we got a three million. Well, there's a five million dollar house that's selling for four. Let's do that. Let's do Come it. on, we got some debt equity here. All right. Well, good luck. Let us know how it goes. Now it's your turn to let Joe and Big Al spitball for you. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes. Then click Ask Joe and Big Al on air. Send a voice message or an email and include the relevant details like your name, ages, and location, and the specifics of your financial situation. Your name can be whatever you like. The more creative, the better. The ages and location should be real for a more accurate spitball, especially if taxes are involved. 
And for the infamous YMYW retirement spitball, let us know when you and your spouse, if you have one, want to retire. How much do you think you'll need to spend each year in retirement? How much do you already have saved and in what types of accounts? 401k, Roth, brokerage, etc. And finally, don't forget to mention where or how you listen to YMYW and what you drink, if you drink. Whether you're a sommelier or celebrating sobriety, this show would not be a show without you. Hey, Joe, Big Al, Andy. This is Adam from the birthplace of aviation, Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. I discovered the show about six months ago, and I've enjoyed catching up with older episodes on my daily runs and during my work commute. You do a great job of spitballing, and I, as a self-admitted finance nerd, have learned some new ways to think about income generation in retirement, specifically the advantage of getting more Roth money in my portfolio. So thanks. All right. Okay, perfect. And then a little financial nerd. He's probably an aviation nerd, too. I would think so. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's just a Dayton nerd. The, uh, the birthplace of, <laughs> I have a general question. Okay. That I have not heard discussed yet on the pod. But first, the important stuff I'm soon to be 46 to drive a Toyota RAV4 hybrid. And my husband, soon to be 49. We share the same birthday. Oh, wow. wow. How about that? Zooms around in a little red Honda Fit. I'm proud to say that my hubby's alcoholism is in remission, and we are celebrating 10 years of him being alcohol-free. That doesn't stop me, however, from enjoying a regular glass of wine with dinner. My favorites are from France, and I'm including a few if Joe would like to try out his French pronunciation. pronunciation. No, skip this part. Oh, see, there you go. You were were so close. Oh, boy. See, why do people got to do that to me? It's so fun. Yes, it's great. I love just sounding like a complete imbecile. You got the Wii, right? You yes. See that on cartoons? Uh, I, do, I do. Yeah. On the weekend, uh, I'm known to splurge with a little Jameson on the rocks. Oh, oh, oh. this is another bosom <laughs> buddy of Joe's. Yeah. Big Al and I were in New York I've, last week. I've seen you on Jameson. Yeah, I had a little too many Jamos, I think. <laughs> uh, we have three rescue pups, a Doberman, a Bulldog, a Sitsu. And who are the apples of our eyes? Oh boy, this is this is touching. <laughs> now, now, you need a Kleenex? Yes, now for my question. It concerns retirement planning and taxes. All right. I'm a co-owner of a small business. And when I retire in seven to ten years, I will receive rental income from the building the business is in. This will total about $85,000 per year. I have an investment portfolio with a mix of brokerage, SEP IRAs, Roth IRAs, each that will have about a million dollars total of three million in seven to ten years from which we will drop 2.5 to three percent to make up the rest of our annual spend on top of the rental income there will also be some capital events when shares of the business are sold to the new partners this will supplement our income and allow periods of time when we won't have to draw as much from the portfolio so i think we are set up well yeah, it sounds like you set up well to me too. For me to retire early at age 53 or 56 with an inflation-adjusted annual spend of about $140,000, $150,000 a year. 
You have spoken many times about capital gains sitting on top of earned income, but I'm curious about how taxes will work out when the bulk of our income is passive rental income along with the capital gains from both the portfolio and the sale of the business. We don't plan on having any earned income in retirement unless one of our hobbies becomes a little side hustle. All right. The only earned income I foresee are RMDs at 75 and hopefully many Roth conversions before that. But how would this setup of rental income and capital gains be taxed overall? And specifically, how would this affect my Roth conversions? The three of you are the best, and I appreciate any spitball information about the plan you can provide. Best, Adam. All right. Damn. Okay, so we got passive income, capital gains, ordinary income from conversions. Right, right. And then we have a, maybe an installment sale with the sale maybe. partners. Yeah, so, maybe. But is that capital gains? Capital gains, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So passive income. So income from real estate, rental real estate, even if you're actively involved, it's considered passive income for purposes of IRS rules, right? And basically the reason they separate it is you get to take something called depreciation. In other words, you buy the building, you get to slowly write off the cost of that building over time, generally 27 and a half years residential, 39 years commercial. So you get to write that off. So it reduces your taxable income. So it's passive. A lot of times people have passive losses because they have so much depreciation and the IRS says you can only deduct passive losses to the extent you have passive income. So just a little bit of background before we get started. Thank you for that. I know you were I just you totally write, fell asleep. writing writing I was notes down. about a GMO right now. <laughs> I know you were. <laughs> so anyway, to the extent you have positive passive income from real estate, that's considered ordinary income. So that's part of that ordinary income. Everything else that you mentioned right? Which is capital gains from your portfolio, capital gains from sale of business, which could be all at once up front if you receive a lump sum, or maybe you get a down payment and finance something. So you have a seller's note. So the, the down payment is fully taxable right now. The seller's note is taxable as you receive proceeds, right? So it could be over several years, for example. Nevertheless, regardless of when you get it. You got passive income, which is ordinary. Roth conversions would be considered ordinary. And then your capital gain from portfolio and from your sale of your business, that's capital gains. So add up your ordinary income minus your standard deduction or itemized deductions if you're doing. That's your starting point, right? That's your bracket for ordinary income. So right now they think $80,000 or $85,000 a year is going to come in as passive income from yeah, real estate. That's right. So 85000 minus the standard deduction in a few years, I don't know, call 50. Yeah, or call it 30, right? right. Whatever. I mean, it's, so, it's, yeah, 30 is probably a let, better let, number. Let's just say taxable income's 50, just to make a nice even number, yep. right? Okay, and the top of the probably the 12 or 15% bracket, depending upon when you do the yeah, probably 15% bracket, call it a hundred, right? So you probably in that example, you could probably do about a $50,000 Roth conversion and still stay in that 12% bracket. And then any capital gains that you have kind of sit, sit on, on top, top of that, right? So they'll be taxed at that, at that either zero, well, they'll be taxed actually at, at 15%, right? And then you've got the net investment income tax that kicks in once your total adjusted gross income is above 250,000. Is that right? Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand for a married couple. So you got a, that's another three point eight percent. So call it four percent. So roughly nineteen percent for your capital gains. Some would be fifteen. Some would be nineteen percent. So you look at your ordinary income first, 
right? And then secondly, your capital gains sit on top of that, right? So just call it 20% for capital gains and ordinary income, maybe 12. And that's, it's no more complicated than that. Yeah. So I think that the real root of the question is, all right, I want to do conversions. And I think with a passive income from the real estate, wasn't sure how that's taxed. Yeah. Yeah. But that's taxes, ordinary income. So you Correct. take that minus out the standard deduction, whatever that is at whatever time that you know, you're looking at doing a, whatever strategy. Right. And then that's going to tell you how much room that you have in the lowest bracket. If you want to go higher than that, go higher than that. But just know the capital gains is going to continue to get pushed up on top of that. And more of it's going to be subject to the net investment income tax. Yes. Yeah, so now, now I, I will tell you one more thing that sort of contradicts what I just said. So be aware of this. And that is when you're filling up the 12% bracket, your capital gains would have been taxed at zero. zero. Right. So in doing the strategy that I just told you, then fifty thousand dollars of your capital gains that would have been taxed at zero are now taxed at fifteen percent. Plus you got to pay the twelve percent on Roth conversion. So that's actually a higher rate. So I'm it's hard to do this on a podcast. You kind of have to whiteboard it out, but just be aware of that. That it's a little bit strange when you're trying to fill up the twelve percent bracket with your Roth conversions because some you get you, you end up paying more tax than you think you might have otherwise paid. Right. Especially if you have a lot of non-qualified dollars. That's right. We got Charles from Idaho. Hey, Joe, Al. I drive a 1991 Mercedes 420 SEL. That refuses to die. Oh, well, I would say so. It's, yeah, that's that's an old car. I wonder how many miles that thing has on it. My wife has a 1991 Lexus 350 RX, but really wants a Tesla. They both have 91 cars. That's amazing. Right. They don't like to shop. <laughs> When do you give up the car and say, you know what, honey, let's get you a, a Lexus. You've had this thing for 31 years. A, a Tesla. She wants a Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. When do you pull the trigger after 31 years with the same car? Well, I would with my wife, but, you know, everyone's different, right? Oh, man. Well, no. Why wouldn't she just go out and get it? Well, because. She's got a Lexus. That's nice. It is nice. It's just 30, couple, 32 years old. We acquired a 13-year-old Heverton. Heverton. I looked it up. I cannot find anything that has to do with a Heverton. So I don't know if that's a car, an animal. I have no idea. Do you think it's a, a little misspell? It could be. I tried other things. The only thing I could come up with was Everton, which is a Liverpool football club that actually has a car. So yeah. maybe okay. that's what he's referring to. About the football club? So we yeah. acquired. Okay. When my 92-year-old widowed mother-in-law went into hospice care. Okay. So she had it. So they got it, I guess. She had the Heverton. I guess. And then gave it to Charles. Yeah, I gave it to Chuck. Yep. Okay. We recently sold her house. She lived in for 40 plus years, and I'm trying to figure out the taxes. Okay. All right. Is there any advantage to waiting the 180 days as if she were reinvesting in a new house? In that case, would the taxes still be based on the year it sold or the latest tax year? Love your show and let's do it every week. Thanks. Okay. Taxes on the sale of a home. Okay. So let's, well, first of all, let's talk about the 180 days. That's when you're selling a rental property. That's a 1031 exchange. You sell a property, you have 180 days to purchase a replacement property. It does not work for a residence. Yeah. Because he's looking at, or what was the old rules before the 121 exclusion? Yeah. And that was, gosh, back 30 in the, years ago. Yeah. Well, yeah when he was in the, the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Way back then. Yeah. It was a long time. I maybe even 80s when that changed. You had like a year and a half to buy a 
replacement home or something like that. Right. I can't or maybe it was 180 days. Maybe, maybe it's 180 <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that doesn't apply anymore in this situation. But here's the thing is your mother's widowed. And so you live in Idaho and Idaho is a community property state. So you know what? When I, when your father passed away, your mother got a full step up in basis as if whatever it was worth at that, on that date is the new cost basis, as if it was purchased on that date. So you got to go to when your father passed away, figure out what the value of the property was. That's your new cost basis. And oh, by the way, if after that point, if there were any improvements put into the property, then that increases your tax basis, right? So that's one part is tax basis. The other part is what it was sold for minus closing costs. That's your net sales proceeds. So the difference between those two is the gain. And then furthermore, being widowed, she has a $250,000 exclusion. So the first $250,000 of gain is tax-free. So that's how to think about this. I would say there's probably little tax due. Maybe. Unless it's a multi-million dollar home. It just depends on the numbers. The or yeah. if she were passed and then he sold the house, then there would have been no tax because then they would have got a, another full step up in uh, tax. Yeah, basis. well, and if he passed in the current year, it's a qualifying widower's return and you still get the full 500000 So we there's a few things we don't know. All right. Good luck, Charles. Thanks for the email. So many different numbers and rules and limits affect your financial plans. Wouldn't it be nice to have them all in one place for easy reference? The 2023 Key Financial Data Guide has all that. In fact, it's the very same guide that Joe and Big Al use when they're spitballing for you. It contains this year's tax brackets and capital gains tax rates, retirement plan contribution limits, tax on Social Security, Medicare premiums, and all the current credits, deductions, exemptions, distributions, and exclusions. To download your very own copy of the 2023 Key Financial Data Guide, to try out our new Easy Retirement Calculator, to ask Joe and Big Al your money questions, and to share YMYW with your friends, just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app. That'll take you to the podcast show notes where you'll see all of these free financial resources just before the episode transcript. This is Dan. Out of a bit of an out of the ordinary question. Love out of the ordinary yeah, questions, Al. Right. It's yeah, bring it on. Basically, it's should my wife retire and start collecting social security disability ASAP or not? Okay. All right, let's see. I kind of like it when you know the question even before you start. Yeah. So you're trying to figure out what are what they gonna ask. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Usually you gotta just read through all this BS <laughs> and then finally they and then sometimes we go, what was the question? Yeah, I don't even remember the question. <laughs> I was just reading for like a half an hour, just stumbling over every other word. Right. But there's a lot of unique detail to this question, I think. I'm 62 and my wife is 60. We have two adult kids and they are both out of the house, although our youngest does tend to bounce back. My wife was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at age 58. And it was confirmed later with a cerebrospinal fluid test. test. I'm sorry to hear that, Dan. She's on meds. Yeah, but is on the continuing downward slope and needs a decent bit of assistance with most things now. Thankfully, our company has been very successful over the years and we're in a pretty good spot financially. We got a proximate net worth of $32 million. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Look at the big wallet on Dan. That is eye-popping. 
About nine million of that is in pre-tax accounts. Our thirty-two million dollar net worth. I like how he like yeah twice just pop, <laughs> let's get it in there just, just a couple times. I wonder. But, but at least it wasn't in the first sentence. Uh, yeah, <laughs> actually asked the question in the first sentence. It just let us just simmer on yeah, this right. a little bit and then slap and then, us across the face right. with thirty-two million twice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, thirty-two million net worth is currently roughly sixty percent in equities, twenty-five percent cash equivalents, like high-yield money market accounts and ladder CDs, and fifty percent in real estate. Also, the yearly net profits from our company range from one to one point five million, all which flows through us. Oh, struggling, love it. That's with me working part time and her not working at all, even though she's still an employee currently. We're both still employed by our 20-plus-year-old company that we co-own. It's an S-Corp, and we're the only employees. So we can take whatever reasonable in the eyes of the IRS salary that we'd like to take, and the remainder is company profits. We're both maxing out our 401ks with profit-sharing component each year, and we can continue to do that going forward if we'd like to. So an example, we each contributed a combined of Sixty-seven thousand five hundred in twenty twenty-two. That's including catch-up provisions, and we used to have a DB plan, but we closed it out some years ago and rolled it into the IRA because the plan was more or less maxed out up to the actuarial ceiling. No wonder they have nine million dollars in right. Yeah, just jammed everything in the DB B- plan big time year after year. Also, my wife hasn't actually been active employee in our company for probably twenty years, but she's still an employee on the paper like me and draws. A salary. Yes, our state plans are up to date, which I think is even more important given her diagnosis. And yes, Alzheimer's disease is now on the SSDI list of approved disabilities. So should she retire from our company, even though she's not really working and hasn't been, and draw SSDI ASAP? Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a life changer. This is going to change their lives. <laughs> This question is probably one of the most important questions we've answered in years. I think so, too. I'm just on the edge of my seat oh, on this one. I mean, it is going to move the needle huge. <laughs> oh, and we got pros and cons? We okay. are just making life changing. <laughs> Let's see. It's like, which brand of uh, rice should I buy? Does it matter? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Okay. Let's continue on. Let's go. Pros, draw Social Security. Now, given her shorter life expectancy, we'd have the option of getting access to Medicare in two years instead of five years versus current private insurance through our company. Cons, SSDI money received would be taxable given our high joint income. She could no longer contribute it to our pre-tax 401k ta- uh, plan with profit sharing so that previously tax-sheltered sh- tax money would just be taxable at the top marginal bracket. Other... Does it really matter? Either we're plenty rich or we're plenty rich. <laughs> I just hate making the wrong financial decisions. You know, this guy's made a ton of bad decisions. $32 million net worth. Yeah. Oh, so, so a couple answers. First of all, B, it doesn't matter. But but here's the real answer. If I'm being honest, right, you actually say out loud, my wife hasn't actually been an active employee in our company. Did you say that? I hope you changed your name because then you cannot pay a salary. You cannot do 401k for 20 years. You probably don't qualify for SSDI because she wasn't even really working. So yeah, 
just skip it. You're good now. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, congratulations on all your success. Yes, yeah, that part is great. Yeah. And probably that happened because you're so diligent at all these things. But this one, nah, just let it go. Combined, let's see, what does he drink? Oh, water. Okay. And a little crystal well, light. Well, he keeps a clear head. That's why he's done so. <laughs> we we would have 32 million each too if we didn't what drink. drink Davison, <laughs> I would definitely have 32 million dollars. That's that's our problem. Okay. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, congrats on all your success. Uh, Sorry about the the, the diagnosis with your wife, uh, but hell of a job. That's probably one of the bigger numbers that we've seen in a while. I think so. We got Steve from Las Vegas. Writes this out like a legal doc. Are are we being deposed? (laughs) During your September 16th, 2023 radio show, you requested a story. About someone who does not have a ton of assets. The following story is 100% true, accurate, except the names are changed. Oh, my God, Steve. (laughs) What is this? (laughs) Okay. I offer this to other listeners who can learn from Colton's mistakes. Okay. This is like a little story from Colton. Apparently. Okay. When he turned age 62, Colton quit his job and applied for Social Security because Colton had worked off the books for many years. Social Security recorded zero for many of his working years. Colton now receives between 800 and 900 a month from Social Security. Other than his Social Security, the only other resources Colton has is a small savings account. Colton is single in his early 70s, no dependents, no adult children. This sounds pleasant. It does. Colton easily could have worked until age 70. Colton had an okay job in a casino. The casino wanted Colton to stay forever because of his unique skill set. Huh. I wonder okay. what that was. He was a cooler. I don't know. I can I can imagine a couple of things. I guess. Really good at dealing cards. <laughs> uh, and Colton is incredibly healthy. Colton rent is about $600 a month. Here's my opinion. Okay. All right. If he had worked until 70, Colton could have recorded FICA taxes for many quarters, replacing the zeros on his Social Security record. Working those additional years on the books would have raised his Social Security payments to maybe $1,500 a month. Longevity insurance. Additionally, he could have banked a nice emergency fund before he was 70. Okay, that's, I agree with that. All right. So he's just so giving he, advice he's to gonna, Colton. He's going to answer. So this is a story about Colton and, where Steve is giving advice. And we'll Steve spit. wants to be part of the show. He does. He wants to be a co-host. He, he wants to spitball with us. He's it. like, you know what? I just got this email from a guy <laughs> named Colton. I'm going to answer it. And will you guys read it for me? What do you think? This is my trial run. <laughs> he's trying to see whether he's going to do his own podcast. Yeah, he's going to see how it works. Yes, it's, it's, it's coming out there. Yeah. I predict Colton will live past age 90. He never visits the doctor now. But at age 90, he'll be visiting the doctor a little bit more often. Oh, so Steve, he's... He knows Colton. He knows Colton quite well. Yeah. Um, Additionally, when Colton reaches age 90, he may no longer be able to work. Doctor and hospital visits cost a lot of money. Even if you're on Medicare and Colton will have not these dollars because Colton has underestimated the effects of inflation. Rents continue to go up fast in Las Vegas, much faster than Social Security cost of living adjustments. Soon enough, Colton will discover that he needs all of his Social Security check just to pay his rent. Okay. This is not a very happy ending. No, here no. We go. I can sort of see where it's going. I keep going. In the near future, 
when there are more elderly drawing Social Security and fewer workers paying in, is it possible that Social Security recipients will receive less generous cost of living adjustments? Is it possible that Social Security payments will be reduced for everyone? Yes and yes. Yeah, it's, I think it's possible. possible. Is it probable? I know. I would say if they would probably lock you in once you're already receiving, I think it will affect the people coming behind That's them. a lot more likely, right? So some reduced benefits of those that come later. Yep. Right? It'd be pretty hard if people like Colton here, yeah. just, he's got to pay his rent. Yeah. So, and somehow, I would say you another. 20% of right. your paycheck. Yeah, or then do income taxes go up just so we cover more poor people in the country? So Medicare, I mean, yeah, Med- Medicare is bigger, right? Yeah, bigger, sure. Your thoughts, always listening, Steve in Las Vegas. Postscript, if I run into Colton at the grocery store, I'll update you. But otherwise, I'm not going to be visit Colton. <laughs> Why? I don't like to hang around. With people who plan to fail. Oh, oh okay. wow. Oh, you know how you read those books that say, hang around, like the five people you hang around with are the ones that you become. So maybe he doesn't want to yeah, be like Colton. Colton. Yeah, apparently not. Maybe I'll run into him at the grocery that, store. But I'm not going to. He gonna, doesn't have any cash. No, what's he doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's. <laughs> I don't know. But what's his unique skill set? I'm still curious. What do you think his skill set well, is? Well, so. Working under the table. The, well, so first of all, I, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking like Andy. So he's, he's good at blackjack or he's good at something like yeah, that. But if I'm working at the casino, I get a paycheck from the casino. I know. Well, that's what he's saying. So you get a paycheck. So you get into the system and you start making more social security later. But I think he's something else. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, I was also thinking he's healthy. Maybe like he's a really good bouncer. Yeah. Or cooler, or something. <laughs> well, right. I mean, th- I mean, these are accurate statements. That I guess the question, or that we're supposed to comment, is: Could Social Security change? Uh, yes, it could change. Anything's possible. It's changed many times in our lifetime. It, it'll likely continue to change. It does seem like because a lot of people are depending upon Social Security. R- roughly, what about a third of the retirees out there? It's their sole source of income. Mm-hmm. So, will they significantly reduce it for those third? They could, but then what would they do with those third of the people? They'd they'd have to come up with some kind of plan to cover them one way or another. It seems to me, if I'm just trying to spitball 10, 20, 30 years down the road, it seems like there'd be some kind of safety net that would be thrown in there. Well, isn't uh, 2035, isn't that when the trust fund is depleted? Yeah, but that, as you know, that just means that it's only the money coming in to cover. So it would be like 70% or 75%. Yeah, two-thirds-ish. So anyway, yeah, anything's possible. This is not a good scenario. In this example, if Colton had gotten a regular job and worked for at least 10 years and gotten enough credits for Social Security and got a better benefit, plus he, you know, his Social Security was growing over that time, right? And saving some money would have been a much better spot. Yeah, you got to take care of your older self. Yeah. Because true. he was like just taking the cash up front. It's like, I don't want to pay taxes. Yeah, right. But then now it's like, oh, yeah, my younger self kind of took stuff from my older self. Correct. That is the way to look at it. All right. Well, thank you, Andy. Another wonderful job. Thank you. Uh, Big Al. Great job, buddy. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Keep your emails coming. We'll get to them at some point. Show's cut your money well.
Coach Dauber and the TV show Coach, Joe's knowledge of aviation history, and the Lincoln lawyer in the derails, so stick around. Help new listeners find YMYW by telling your friends about the show and by leaving your honest reviews and ratings for Your Money, Your Wealth in Apple Podcasts and any other podcast app that accepts them. For example, Amazon, Audible, CastBox, Good Pods, Pandora, Player FM, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podknife, and Spotify. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call us at 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you, no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Coach Dauber. Coach. All right. You know know where that's from, Big Al? I don't. Never seen the TV show Coach. Yeah. I, I don't remember names. I mean, you remember names and scenes. Exactly. I watched a show. I, I probably watched every episode of Coach, but I don't remember what the... I mean, that was like 30 years ago. How would I remember that? It wasn't that long. It was longer than you think. Was it really? <laughs> it's 25. No way. Well, maybe. I suppose. We're getting old. <laughs> Minnesota State, I think, was the kind of... Uh... Coach aired in 1989. <laughs> 89. Okay, yep. so that's it. And that's 33, what did I say, 30 years ago? Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, who was Coach Dauber? Because that was that, Coach Hayden Fox, that, right? That's like Dick Van Dyke's that, yeah, brother. Yeah, that was... Uh, Jerry Van Dyke. Jerry Van Dyke. Yeah. He, he was super ah. cool. And then Craig T. Nelson yes. was coach. Yeah, that's right. So I was in a wedding in Los Angeles, and I played golf with Craig T. Nelson. Oh, you did? Well, okay. I was on the driving range with him. <laughs> okay, well, let's explain it. You were in the same city as I that? was. That counts? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the birthplace of aviation, Dayton, Ohio. Oh. Okay. Is that where the Wright brothers are from? I think it might be. I guess so. They, I guess they went to Kitty Hawk to test their creation, maybe. Oh. I thought for some reason the, it was in Minnesota. I don't know why. <laughs> you think everything revolves everything, around Minnesota? Dayton is where the Wright brothers harnessed the revolutionary technology of their day to open up the skies. So, it. Okay. Yep. It. Look at I do I know finance? Yes. Do I know <laughs> history of well flight aviation? No, uh, but yes. But Minnesota is close to Ohio. I said it. Was that the Wright brothers? Yeah. yeah. Well Kill of course it is. I mean, who else would it be? Well, I don't know. What, what, Lindbergh? Yeah. It's Charles Lindbergh? He's yeah. from Minnesota. Yeah, well he flew their machine. He didn't invent it. Oh. And then what about the female that went down? Oh uh, Amelia, Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The female. <laughs> Are we being disposed? Yeah, disposed or Oh. Now, speaking of that, have you ever seen The Lincoln Lawyer? The Lincoln Lawyer. Not the movie with Matthew McConaughey, yeah. which is one of my faves, but yeah. the new series on, no. on Netflix? No, I've heard of it, though. Is yeah. it good? Uh, yeah, I enjoy yeah, okay. it. It's, okay. That's actually something I probably would it, like. You, it doesn't have Hugh Grant, though. <laughs> it's not necessarily a rom-com. It's, it's not a comedy? That's okay. I can still do it. Oh, boy. 